All right, dog. Count us in whenever you're ready. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence, and with me is my co-host, Jason, calling in for the back cave in Indianapolis. Jason, how are you, my good man? Hey, man, it's another good week, despite the second week in a row of a wardrobe confusion by one of us, not me. Hey, I'm ready for this show, ready to get started, so I can start editing, as I always say. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, let's get into it, bro. Thank you for listening. This is episode 40 of the Cal Park Bros podcast. For the uninitiated, Cal Park Bros is the podcast to hear. We are a weekly f- podcast for fans of culture, current events, sports, life, and entertainment. And as always, we're your hosts, Terrence and Jason, and every single Thursday, we bring to you a brand new episode where we discuss the current events of the day, sports, and the athletes we love. And even some of the athletes we loathe. No matter the topic, you can expect a brutally honest and fun exchange of snark while learning through the lens of our 30 years of friendship that originated in Calumet Park, Illinois. And folks, for more Cal Prop Bros content, be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok for more behind the scenes of the Cal Prop Bros show and just to engage with us every single day. But also don't forget that the Cal Prop Bros podcast is available to listen and subscribe for free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us, love us, share us, follow us, and folks, if you like us, hell, why wouldn't you? That's right, folks. Like Terrence said, we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing it. Yes, sir. All right. Kicking off the first segment, uh, I was actually doing some research on this last week, and I was waiting for the, the, the second shoe to drop, so to speak, or rather the second visa decision to be made, uh, and that is for one Novak Djokovic uh, being effectively uh, disqualified. Um, and not being able to participate in the Australian Open uh, because of his vaccination status. Um, And I'm referencing an article on CNN. And this was actually came out on Sunday, January 16th. Um, Here's what we know, Nojek Djokovic and Australian Open timeline. So this is basically a saga that started all way back in November of 2021 where Novak Djokovic is effectively granted an Australian temporary entry visa to compete in the Australian Open. Um, And listen, this is is a tournament he's done well in. Over the years, he's won it nine times. And then in late November, an Australian health minister, Greg Hunt, reportedly writes to the tournament director of the Australian Open stating that a COVID infection, 19 infection alone in the past six months without full vaccination does not meet the requirements for quarantine-free entry into the country. Now, fast forward to um, to um, January 6th, which is ironic because yet another day of January 6th with drama. Djokovic is in 
um, Australia at that point. He's left Spain the day previously. His visa is canceled by the Australian government, and he's taken to a temporary detention facility in Melbourne, according to uh, an affidavit. Now, Djokovic then proceeds to appeal this ruling, and I believe some sort of immigration judge effectively overrides the cancellation of his visa and orders his release from detention. The judge, however, says the Australian immigration minister has still has the right to deport the tennis star. Now, fun fact, while all of this is going down, some information comes to light about uh, Novak Djokovic's uh, travel declaration. Anytime you travel out of the country, out of a country, you typically have to make some sort of declaration about like, hey, where have I been? What am I bringing with me? Uh, what I'm either I've taken with me or I'm bringing back or what have you. And effectively, uh, what was found out, Jason, is that um, there was some inconsistencies where Novak Djokovic was the two weeks prior versus what he actually filled out on this damn form. So, um, long story short, turns out that visa is then rejected a second time, and he effectively takes a flight out of Australia. And he is effectively not going to defend his uh, title because he won the last time they had this tournament. So I know you read up on this a little bit earlier this week. What are some of your thoughts as the way this played out? I mean, to answer that question, I think it was pretty cut and dry. Um, like I said, originally, like you said, back in November, he was granted the temporary visa, probably like normal. Um, but later in that month, the Australian, uh, what was it, the tournament directors and the government of Australia basically changed the kind of the ruling when it comes to people who aren't vaccinated and testing positive within six months prior to date of entry. There was that also issue with him as well. And there was some confusion in December when it comes to him having a negative test for a rapid test and a positive PCR test, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then as, also, as you mentioned, him, I'm not going to say he lied, but basically putting the wrong information on, like I said, the the documentation when it comes to him, you know, not being in any other countries, even though he was in two other countries or at least one of them the day before coming to Australia. So, so go figure. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really what, what got him so far as the process and how it played out is what it is. As we've seen from Australia and another country we'll mention later, they, they, they are taking their stance seriously when it comes to keeping COVID out of their country. Now, obviously, they're still dealing with a surge like we are, but still, they're handling things a lot differently. They they put a lockdown on the country saying, hey, you ain't coming in if this, this, that, that or the other. People actually left Australia prior to all this with the plans of not coming back until it's over because of, of that. Um, but, like I said, how it played out is what it is. No special treatment for, for Novak, even though he's a big star, which I, I think is great publicity for Australia to say, hey, no, no one it's a pass on this, not even the great legendary tennis star Novak Djokovic. Somebody, like you said, has won this event nine times, right? So they'll have every reason to say, you know what, we'll make an exception for this guy because we want him to win his 10th in a row because it makes us look good on that front. So, but they didn't do that. So, and then send him out, um, I believe on the 16th of January, which I believe was on the first day of the first round of the Australia Open actually took place. 
He's not going to be in it. He'll be sitting at home watching. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. I, again, I don't want to say he lied on the documentation. I'm not sure if, if somebody else maybe filled it out and he, you know, I don't know. I can't get in his head and say he just de- deliberately lied. But it, right, is, but, but it is kind of funny that he was in a different country the day before in Australia and all of a sudden he wasn't nowhere else. So that does seem kind of funny to say. I, I know I want to say he lied about it, but that is kind of funny if somebody wants to say he wasn't lying. He just made a mistake. Well, it ultimately, whether and listen, whether, whether you've got people to submit this paperwork for you or not, it's kind of their responsibility. Uh, number one, to you, the the uh, the high profile individual. It's in your best interest to make sure they get shit get shit, the shit right, and also ethically, it's in everyone's best interest to get that right because it's not a good look. You can't you can't say, "Hey, I can't believe you guys are scrutinizing my application," when you are arguably the greatest tennis player of your generation. You know, people know who you are. And so with with that high profile is going to also involve some higher scrutiny. And not just for this Australian Open shit. Novak might be not able to participate in the next Australian Open. Because this deportation um, decision typically means you can't come back for three years. Wow, I didn't catch that. Wow. Well, but now you say he may not be able to come back. Does that mean there's a chance he could based on certain factors or, or what? Cause I didn't hear this. So, I'm, so I'm, that's, that's a good tidbit there. I didn't know. Um, well, Jason, that's part of typically when someone deports you like this, mm-hmm. at least in within Australia, mm. everything I've looked up, it appears that it's not just, you you can't you can't you can't uh, basically get to the back of the line and say hey forget that last time I got rejected it's there may be some longer term implications other than just this particular tournament is what I'm trying to say and that's fine but but I'm just, but I'm just my question was it's still possible he could come back within three years depending on certain things correct uh who knows okay. I'm, I'm basing that off of the fact that <laughs> this man was told the, this man was told at least no by by two sets of people don't bring your ass over here um or at least you're not going to be playing in this tournament and so i imagine he may try again next year time will tell if that actually holds up well, the, the, well, and this is going to go into something else we're going to talk about later in, in this topic. But, but I, it also kind of depends on what the country's stance is on when it comes to the, these COVID policies. Because, yeah, I agree with you; things could change. But by next year, again, like we always keep saying, is this even going to be a thing for Australia at least next year, where it's not going to be a big deal anymore when it comes to entering or leaving the country, you know, because of COVID or anything? So that could be a factor as well. Um, yeah. But but again, that's that's a whole year away, so we'll see. Hopefully, again, we're not entering year four of this pandemic. But hey, you know. But um, 
the other, another thing I found interesting, and again, kind of go back to what I was saying before, is that they kept saying that that Novik, uh, Novak was sent to a basically a detention, like a detention center, while all this stuff was kind of playing out. And when I heard my first thought, what I heard that was when I heard detention center, like as it's used here in this country, it sounds like jail or prison or somewhere it, like. I bought, oh, bought sent off to a, I, well, 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 I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when I hear detention center, that's what I think of. I mean, now granted, this could be based off certain other things, but I found another article from CNN stating that according to Joe, the, the Novak's mother, who he, who she talked to, was saying that he's being treated like a prisoner. Uh, yes, it is a hotel, but it's like a small room that's, you know, no luxuries, which obviously. But small room, food is terrible, so forth and so forth. Um, Novak's mentioned some of the conditions of the place, which I don't need to go into, but I just found it interesting. And again, not saying it's wrong or, or good, but I found it interesting that that's so the path they chose to send him to a place like this, even though it's not like he did anything criminally wrong. And again, not saying it's prison or anything, but I, I found it interesting they still sent him down this path. And it's probably, yes, the same path they'll send anybody else going to the same situation. Which again is also good that even though he's clearly a celebrity, an athlete, star, whatnot, they still said this is how we handle things. So you're no different. So there you go. And I'm sure this is even the case too because of COVID. Because again, they're trying to protect their country from COVID. At least people from the outside are bringing that stuff in. So maybe this is the way they quarantine people too. So who knows? But uh, I found that pretty interesting there. Um, but uh, another thing I'll go ahead and say. Uh, when it comes to the future of him in playing, uh, the next Grand Slam, I believe, coming up is the French Open, which isn't until May. But the French government has already told him that as current rules stand, based off the new law they just passed, and this for the entire country, which, again, impressive, that basically nobody who's unvaccinated can enter into any facility, including sports arenas, if they're not vaccinated. And that includes players, spectators, officials, event event staff. If not vaccinated, you ain't getting in. Now, Novak Djokovic obviously is very famously not vaccinated. Of course, he could always change that between now and May, because missing game checks or or match checks that that matters, right? That that may affect people's stance on certain things. Now, obviously, things like I said about Australia, things can change by May. This is something they could be get lifted, you know, because what's that? Four months from now? You know, things could change. Four months, maybe not, but is what it is. But that's that's the next thing. He's 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 in a tie right now with Roger Federer and Roger uh, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal when it comes to the overall record for Grand Slams at twenty one. So he only needs the one to break it. So him not playing in this didn't help that. Obviously they're still in the tie and he misses the French Open, same thing. Now it's fair to say, even if he doesn't play in these two next uh, this next event either, he's still gonna have a chance to break it once all this COVID stuff's over. I know the next, I know one of the other Grand Slams is in New York, which also has their own thing about athletes not being, you know, being able to uh, enter their venues without being vaccinated. So, uh, and obviously the other one's Wimbledon, um, and I know Europe or England has been dealing with their own situation. So who knows what's going to happen with that? So. Um, I love to think that obviously we'll be over all this stuff, but there's a possibility potentially if this keeps going as far as the pandemic and stuff and surges that he may not play any grand slams at all this year based off where they're located. So 
Knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen, not necessarily for his sake, but for the world's sake that we about moving past this. But that's basically the next recent playing feature when it comes to the major tournaments for Djokovic. So, the Joker. Yeah, at this point in his career, I mean, he's 34. The record and building on that legacy is, I mean, there's no, t- Father Time's undefeated. So, whatever concerns he has about the vaccine, he's going to have to, he's going to have to do some decision making because there's only so many opportunities to actually win Grand Slams. You know, it's not, it's not like picking up uh, the slam at Denny's, okay? So, or you can get a crack at that every day. No, it's only four opportunities in a calendar year. So he's going to have to do some uh, some soul searching because it's sure. his legacy. Um, but it damn sure his decision, he 100% of he's going to be playing these tournaments. So Well, but at the same time, though, too, and obviously it's up to him, and I want to go back and forth on this because this could be a whole different subject. But it depends on how he looks at it. He could always say, you know what, I got 21. I got plenty of money. I'm happy with that. I don't care about missing these next four. If it's uh, the opportunities to pay, uh, available to play next year, I'll deal with it then. But he totally cares. It's just the question is balance. What do I care about more? My stance against the vaccine or playing this year for these records and my money? So we'll see. Yeah, there is a financial impact, both for the player and also for the hosting country in the tournament. Australia said no to a fuck ton of money. Because arguably the best player in the game is not going to be playing in it. Um, there's something to be said for that stance. Because especially since it's a countrywide thing, and I know why it can't happen here, but that's impressive the fact that they can get the whole country law or mandate to take care of that. Whereas obviously we're never gonna be able to do that in this country because of states' rights, but is what states' it is. rights. States' rights. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh yeah. I there's a variety of reasons why that would never happen here in the States. But yeah, my, my, my main point, Jason, was simply stating that the Australian Open Tournament, they made, they made a, a principal stance. It was not about the money, because if it was only about the money, we would have called them fucking crazy to not allow him to play. So there is something about making a principal stance. Um in spite of the fact there is going to be some financial fallout from that. And I don't think that can be understated here, at least on this show. All right. That concludes our first segment on Novak Djokovic. Coming up next, we're coming up uh, discuss, uh, discussing uh, Joe Rogan getting into hot water yet again. <laughs> coming up next on Cal Park Bros. They say when you reach 40, you're over the hill. But you know what's not over the hill? The Cal Park Bros. Yeah, they may be over 30, but they're not yet to 40. And they are definitely not over the hill. Those Cal Park Bros are back with episode 40. Terrence and Jason, you've done it 40 times. Can you give me one more? Or as TJ Kelly say, another one. And another one. And another one. Congratulations on 40 episodes, my friends. Let's keep it rolling. See ya!
Welcome back to the Cal Park Bros Podcast. We are fresh off the first segment where we discussed the fallout from uh, Novak Djokovic being disqualified from participating in the Australian Open. In this segment, we're going to be talking about one Joe Rogan and <laughs> him getting himself in the hot water yet again. I am referencing an article from uh, CNBC. Um, Megan Sauer is the um, journalist on that uh, particular article. 270 health experts to Spotify. Joe Rogan's COVID misinformation is a sociological issue of devastating proportions. In an open letter addressed to Spotify, 270 science and health professionals said that the podcast for broadcasting information, particularly regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. The letter then asked Spotify to take action against mass misinformation events on its platform. Notably, it didn't recommend any specific actions for uh, Spotify to take. Uh, the letter specifically highlighted a December 31st episode featuring Dr. Robert Malone, uh, a virologist who was recently banned from Twitter for spreading vaccine falsehoods. On the episode, Malone told host Joe Rogan that there had been an explosion on vaccine-associated deaths and that hospitals are financially incentivized to label COVID as a cause of patient deaths. He also said leaders are free-floating anxiety to hypnotize the public. Now, it is worth noting, all three theories were quickly identified as false, as recorded by the AP News uh, and nonprofit fact-checking outlet PolitiFact. Uh, YouTube also removed a video of that Joe Rogan interview with Robert Malone as soon as after it was posted, citing it violated community guidelines. Uh, so I'm looking at some of these names on this letter, uh, and I'm looking at really at Joe Rogan's body of work in his endeavor to undermine um, uh, effectively uh, adoption of the, the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and this is not just one interview for me. It, it is a long tale of fuckery, okay? And, I mean, the article even talks about this, Jason. It talks about him previously discouraging young people from getting vaccinated. It talks about uh, promoting uh, ivermectin to treat the virus, which people typically use for, like, pets uh, as a COVID treatment. Uh, so on and so forth, ad nauseum. So what are your thoughts on effectively, number one, Joe Rogan effectively spouting anti-vaccine propaganda um, and also the fact that several health experts were so fed up that they decided to actually put their name on wax saying, this is a problem. You are part of the problem. What are your thoughts on that? So to number one, when it comes to Joe Rogan, um, as, as we've highlighted on the show before and also in this article that per episode, he gets about 10 or 11 million listens or downloads per episode. So kudos to him for that, number one. Um, but with that being said, and I'll put some of this on us too, that that also gives him a responsibility to obviously run your own show, it's your show, run it how you want, but it also gives him a responsibility to, if you're going to put out information out there that's not, 
well, whether it's opinion-based or, or factual or not, you have a responsibility to make sure what you're putting out there is true, accurate. And uh, some of this, obviously, Joe Rogan, you know, he, I'm guessing he brought this doctor on here because he's a doctor. Now, maybe I should be air quoting that because he, he clearly went to school to be a doctor, a virologist, or whatever you want to call it. But obviously, he brought this doctor on there because I'm sure he supports Joe Rogan's opinions. That's why he's on the show. But also, as you mentioned in here, that the same doctor was also banned from Twitter for spreading misinformation. And also mentioned that YouTube removed one of the Joe Rogan videos from their site for the same thing. So that's my thought on number one, that he has a responsibility to put accurate information out there. Or these things that he believes are accurate. And obviously there's no way he could have thought this was accurate knowing this guy had issues with it, you know, correct information before. Number two, regarding the 270 health experts that kind of put their opinion out there, and there's a letter actually online, which I can read some of, some of it later. But I th to me, that's what made, made it really news. I, th I think, like you said, Joe Rogan has the reputation for putting stuff out there and maybe misinformation out there already. But the fact that 270 health experts, like you said, like you always say, put it on wax in a letter and actually send it to Spotify. That's what made this news, and that's what made it stand out to me. It's like, okay. But number three to that, I want to say that too, that although the initial responsibility falls on Joe Rogan, because it's his show, he has creative control of his show, and he can do it, basically do what he wants with it, and that's, that, that is what it is. But as the hosts, as the show's you know, host platform, Spotify in this case, they have an additional responsibility to, to somewhat be aware of what your shows are doing. Obviously, they're probably going to monitor every single show. But since Joe Rogan's show is recognized, as mentioned in this article, he's the num basically the number one podcast in the world, you would think they'd be keeping an eye on what he's saying on the show because obviously whatever he says, stuff like this is going to be put there, you know, it's going to be in the public eye. Now, I found other articles, including on Fox News, and I have an article for, uh, information about that too, basically stating that Spotify, in other situations, whether it's Joe Rogan's show and others, they've actually removed episodes and content from their platform because of reasons just like this. But seemingly, as of right now, they haven't done anything or said anything. According to an article I found from yesterday, Spotify has yet to say anything about this. So, so again, I'm going to read some of the letter that the, the health experts actually signed uh, for the, the segment ends. But what are your thoughts on about that stuff? Um, well, Jason, one, th thank you for sharing your thoughts on item number one. Um, here's the thing. Once, what's unfortunate is that when Joe Rogan or anybody else for that matter, we, we could have someone far less popular, either in the podcast side of town or UFC, what have you, putting that information out there. Once it's out there, it's out there. And misinformation is incredibly nefarious um, and incredibly difficult to counteract because a lot of times people are out here looking for this information because it already confirms it already confirms a place they already are at. You know, the average listener usually is not looking to be convinced. They are already convinced and they are looking to be convinced more. How many political arguments or 
hell, we could say use it something far less um, important. Sports arguments have we had on this this here internet, where people are only going to seek out information that effectively validates where they already are. And so the Joe Rogan um, experiment or experience, which is an experiment, <laughs> is effectively a social experiment in that. But that, that's also, hang on, so that's also where I say there's responsibility there. But again, like I said, I put that on us too. I agree with you. People tend to seek out information that validates their opinion. However, when you're in the media, it can still be that case, but you also have responsibility to, to, to look up for information that could contradict what you think as well. And that's where I like to think that at least for our show purposes, we can do that. Now, but, but that being said, like you said, we are still human. But still, since we have a responsibility to our listeners, since we, like we said before, we are in some degree part of the media, just like Joe Rogan to a lesser degree for now, we have the responsibility to make sure what we're putting out there from both sides is accurate, or, or at least expressing those different opinions and putting it out there. So like you said, people who may be listening to this may already be convinced, but maybe some stuff we might say that, that could contradict what they think are planting seeds of thought out there for people. And that's why I hope that we can actually do it. Hopefully we do that for people. You know, if you feel the opposite, let us know. Cowboybrosesgmail.com. But, uh, but yeah, sorry to cut you off, but I wanted to throw that in there. No, I, here's the thing. This is not the first time, by the way, that some, some um, group of individuals or organizations have requested Joe Rogan have to walk some shit back. Uh, Joe Rogan actually had to backtrack, I believe, like a year ago or on some sort of content that he put out there because he was alleging that something was um, happening and, in fact, it wasn't. So, but those are rare. Those are rare scenarios for anybody um, or any organization because nine times out of ten, when organizations um, or individuals are effectively trying to lobby for outsiders to feel a certain way, all of all of their eggs are in the basket of we're trying to get you to do X. We are not trying to put it in reverse and have a nuanced understanding of anything. So um, those those are my uh, immediate thoughts. Kudos to the 270 health experts that were willing to put their name out there. Because in the year of our Lord, 2022... You can bet your ass that they're probably being harassed online as we speak. Like, you know, think about some of these Pizzagate crazies that are. Oh, you want to know about that? Did you say Pizzagate? I did. Okay. Um, that effectively they hear something on the interwebs and then they are so devout They'll literally drive cross country over something that isn't real. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say kudos to the 270 health experts that were willing to put their actual government name on this damn thing and say, hey, what you're doing is not okay. Like, 
they didn't say that that uh, you and even say you 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 had to get the vaccine. I'm saying don't be making shit up. <laughs> I think that was the core issue. Um, I mean, I've heard this. I've heard this shit on Facebook before. There's been an explosion of vaccine-associated deaths. Hospitals are financially incentivized to label COVID as a cause of patient deaths, and that leaders are using free-floating anxiety to hypnotize the public. What possible financial incentive would a hospital have to do that? Who knows? My point is, the shit's here, and. Yeah, unless someone's got some receipts on that, you shouldn't be putting that out there. And as far as free-floating anxiety goes, every politician on planet Earth wants this to go away. Wants what to go away? It's it's specifically COVID. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's everybody in the world, I'm sure, so. Yeah, but that's the allegation from this Dr. Robert Malone. So, and here's the thing. You gotta be really out of pocket to get banned from Twitter. Former president might know a thing or two about that. I was just about to mention that. That's how hard it is to get fucking banned. That's how hard it is to get fucking banned. That is the measure. If, If you're getting banned from Twitter, you're on the same platform or same level as Donald Trump because you both did the same same thing (laughs) like that's how hard it is you can say and do damn near almost anything on twitter so that's where we are Uh, you know and yeah joe rogan has a responsibility but ultimately the people that listen to joe rogan also have a responsibility at least be receptive to the truth at least think for two seconds is what I'm being presented viable? Am I seeking out um, objective evidence to what I'm being presented, <laughs> or am I just lo- or am I just looking to lo- continue to listen to shit? Because guess what? That's what I already believe. That's what any citizen has to do. So. That's where I'm at. So real quick, I'm going to finish up. I want to read some of this open letter. And it's available online, folks. Um, you can definitely find it. Search for it. It's there. And actually, uh, a link to it's within the article that we referenced before, or Terrence referenced, uh, which is on NBC, uh, CNBC. Uh, but it's a very quick letter. It's only five paragraphs, so you can get through it pretty quickly. But if you're interested, check it out. Um, I won't necessarily read all of it, but I definitely want to hit some of it. Uh, On December 31st, 2021, Joe Rogan experienced a Spotify exclusive podcast uploaded a highly controversial episode featuring guest Dr. Robert Malone, uh, episode number 1757. The episode has been criticized for promoting baseless conspiracy theories and the JRE, Joe Rogan Experience, has a concerning history of broadcasting misinformation, particularly regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. Skip you down to the next, next paragraph. We are a coalition of scientists, medical professionals, professors, and science communicators spanning a wide range of fields such as microbiology, immunology, epidemiology, and neuroscience. And we are calling on Spotify to take action against the mass information events which continue to occur on this platform. 
With an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, JRE is the world's largest podcast and has tremendous influence. Though Spotify has, has a responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform, the company presently has no misinformation policy. All right. Uh, that's kind of the, the main point of, of it, why they said all this stuff. Uh, they do bring up some data points, like you mentioned before, about the average age of JRE listeners is 24 years old. And according to the data from the Washington State, unvaccinated 12 to 34-year-olds are 12 times more likely to be hospitalized with COVID than those who are fully vaccinated. Um, but that's, that's the other thing we kind of put out there. Many episodes ago, we talked about back when Donald Trump was actually banned from Facebook or whatever, that at the time, Facebook, Instagram, and all stuff like that didn't have any policies when it comes to um, like suspensions and stuff like that. And people were calling that they need to have some policies in place for it. That's basically what the doctor, doctors are kind of calling to put out there, some type of policies in place for any misinformation that's put out there on their platform. And I, I don't think anybody can knock that. I mean, you and I, this show, one of the platforms that we're on is Spotify. So, you know, and I don't think this would be a detriment to our show, but I'd be just fine with them putting policies out there like that. And again, I don't think anybody listened to our show. I don't think you or anybody who wrote this letter or signed the letter would, you know, obviously be against the same thing. So, uh, but again, when I was looking today for more information to see if anything has come of this, because that article we referenced earlier was from the 14th. So I was looking up anything that might have come out since then. And the only articles I found as late as a day ago were saying that Spotify is still mum or hadn't said anything about this stuff, which I find pretty interesting that they haven't, given that this is all the media off of the show that's on their platform. So you think they they'd be saying something? Now maybe there's things in the works that they don't want to put out put out in the media yet, but given that this all came out almost a week ago, you would think that hey they'll at least say something, some some type of form, you know, public relations letter that hey we're aware of the situation, we apologize for any misinformation, and going forth the company's looking the best handle situation like this or something. They didn't put none of that out yet. So maybe at some point in the next week or so, next few days, the PR team will get on that. But I found it interesting that, that they haven't done that yet, knowing that this is out in the news about their, like I said, the number one podcast in the world. So obviously the number one podcast on their platform. So as, 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 as one show on the platform, I like to say, hopefully they step up soon to do that. That's all I got for this topic. Yes, sir. All right. That concludes our segment on the Joe Rogan experiment (laughs) experimental listening right joker number two for this episode right all right that concludes segment number two uh coming up next uh we'll be talking about sadly a donald trump rally uh potentially giving a preview to 2024 coming up next on cal park bros Do I look more professional with these headphones on compared to the, my earbuds that I usually have? Yeah, you do. Mainly because it doesn't make your head look as big.
welcome back to the Cal Fire Bros podcast. Jason and I are fresh off the segment where we discuss uh, the experimental listening faculties of one Joe Rogan. Coming up in the third segment, we're going to be talking about he's back in a move that should surprise no one. Guess who's back? Back again. And this is the article from The Atlantic. Um, Trump soft launches his 2024 campaign. Is there really anything such as a soft launch from Donald Trump? Well, I think that what that's really saying is it's too early, early for him to really go hard at it. Like, 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 never mind. Uh, yes, yeah, too early for him to go hard, hard, hard at it. You know, not, yeah, I was going to make a reference there, folks. I'm going to let it go. But, it's, yeah, but what that's probably really saying is too early for him to go hard at the campaigns. So that's why it's a soft, you know, launch. I'm sure this will be a lot different, you know, a year from now. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's see what Melania thinks about that. Um, the former president's message at his Arizona rally was as clear as it was dishonest. He didn't lose to Joe Biden in 2020, and he'll spend the next year working to elect Republicans who agree. This is an article by Elaine Godfrey in The Atlantic. Tonight, deep in the Arizona desert, thousands of people chanted for Donald Trump. They had braved the wind for hours. Some waited the entire day just to get a glimpse of the defeated former president. And when he finally appeared on stage, and this is when, I guess, uh, they kicked off the Lee Greenwood. <laughs> uh, the crowd roared as though Trump were still the president. And to many of them, he still is. Trump told his supporters, I ran twice and, I won- and we won twice. This crowd is a massive symbol of what took place because people are hungry for the truth. They want their country back. On paper, the gathering was meant as his response to the anniversary of January 6th, as well as an unofficial kickoff for his efforts to support Republicans in the midterm elections. But the event also served as a, as Jason put it, a soft launch of <laughs> the 2024 presidential campaign. And so his message was as clear as it was dishonest. He didn't lose to President Joe Biden in 2020. Uh, and Effectively, he's going to be spending the next year working to elect people that are going to be on that same stop the steal bullshit that they were in 2021. Now, Arizona is not a surprise that he had that rally there. Um, According to this article, Trump only lost Arizona by 10,000 votes. First off, Trump lost a ton of states by a very, very small margin. It's still a loss. There's like seven fucking places he could have had this fucking rally. I I do find it fascinating that one of the last places to actually have MLK, um, Martin Luther King Day, as an actual holiday, is where Donald Trump decided to have this rally. Jason, what are your thoughts on this damn thing, on this rally specifically? Uh, so on the rally specifically, um, <clears throat> well, let me go ahead and say that this became a topic kind of in combination with something else that was put in the hopper when it comes to Joe Biden. And because this Thursday, when this episode is going to be published, will be the one year anniversary of Joe Biden taking office in the White House. So I was going to co- come at this topic originally just as a aspect of 
kind of how is, how is Joe Biden doing in his first year. Then I saw this article about Trump in a soft in the soft rally for 2024. Then it had me thinking, okay, so when I taking them separately, when I think Trump doing a soft rally for 2024, makes me think in my head, oh, this is a huge joke. And speaking of which, Joker number three for this sec- this episode, by the way, like what makes him think he he can he's going to win? No one's going to vote for him. Then going back to what you just mentioned, the fact that. He lost, but it was a narrow victory. And I agree with you that obviously a win is still a win, a loss is still a loss. But just from the aspect of combining with the fact that Joe, Joe Biden in his first year has approval ratings as low as 33% and 42%, according to an article from CNN, an opinion article, actually a factual article from CNN, granted it's only a year, but still, it's, it sets the, sets the tone for the next three years. Keeping that in mind, as I'm thinking about it, it makes it more of a reality of the possibility that if if Trump becomes the Republican candidate in the main in the, in, the, in the elections, and if it happens to be Joe Biden again, given the narrow positions before, it could be easily seen that it could be a narrow switch again for a narrow election. This time, Trump winning, because like you said, even in one state, ten thousand votes was a difference. If those votes go the other way in 2024, as well as other states, we could be say, saying a different thing, you know? So, and I found an article that kind of gives some other opinions about what people think when it comes to the whole Biden-Trump uh, thing. But that's, that was kind of my initial thoughts about this article, is that when I first th- heard, it, heard the, the headline about the soft open, I thought it was a joke. But after reading it, and, and then combined with the articles I found about Biden, it's like, well... Him running may be a joke when it comes to the stuff he said, but when it comes to him winning against the current person who's president, might not be as big of a joke as I think. You also got to think of this from the perspective of, okay, there is enormous incentive within the Republican Party because there is no real old guard, okay? There is no more old guard. That old guard is effectively in the rafters what do you mean mean, what do you mean by old guard i'm talking about the establishment like the bush family the cheneys i mean hell liz is effectively on the outside looking in anybody who's considered to be like an establishment person they've effectively many of these trump supporters have effectively thumbed their nose at them Liz Cheney's been effectively fucking demoted. All for having the revolutionary act of saying, yeah, I'm not cool with this shit you effectively co-signed on January 6th. These are people in her own party, dog. Okay? Politically, she paid a price for doing the right thing. And I would think we would have learned our lesson to not underestimate this man. (laughs) I think a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because it simply was a vote against Hillary Clinton. Now. Well, hang on. Because that same thing can be said me, in 2020. Let me finish. Let me finish. No. No. Okay, go ahead. Thanks. But just because people made that decision in 2016 and then people realized, oh shit, this guy's certifiably fucking crazy. And 
for all of his business um, bona fides. Um, I mean, the economy might have been better until it literally went off a cliff when COVID got here. But that's that was the time when you're supposed to use the business acumen is during crisis. And we kind of really didn't get there, <laughs> which when he didn't when, when Donald Trump didn't have Hillary Clinton to punch kind of punch down at. He kind of got exposed. And so Joe Biden, by sheer default, through almost no um, no uh, result of his own, by sheer default, ends up being a sane choice. Because he's not leaning as much into xenophobia as his opponent. Now, one thing to keep in mind, if we're finishing November of this year, midterm elections, and there isn't a single noteworthy piece of legislation by a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress, you can bet your ass there's going to be hell to pay in 2024. And so there are no sure things in politics anymore. because. I think for a lot of people, 2016 was viewed as a coronation potentially for Hillary Clinton. And that did not bear out. That did not bear fruit. So I think if nothing else, you have to take if 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 you're on the Democratic side of the aisle, you have to take this as a serious threat. You also have to evaluate and see how these down ticket candidates are behaving. And see how successful they are. I mean, this is totally pandering to a person who you think's in charge. If you're a down ticket candidate in Arizona. Right? And so that's where I'm at with it. I don't, I don't freak out when this guy talks. And I also don't um, underestimate when this guy talks, because of course, this is, this is, of course he's going to run again. He can run again. Politics is a hell of a drug. I mean, the margin of victory and defeat is very small, especially in America. So of course he's going to run. Will he actually get the nomination? I have no fucking clue. But, it would be foolhardy to underestimate a potential run at this point. Well, that's my, those are my thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, as we mentioned, as it's been mentioned not by us over the last year plus, narrow victory. He, Trump basically got forty-seven percent of the country's vote. Of all the the damning things we could say about him on this show, and it probably already been said over the last six years. He still garnered in this election, not to mention the one he won in this election, 47%, close enough to half the people in this country. So you say that in, in 16, Trump took the advantage of kind of throwing daggers at, at Hillary Clinton. And that's what got him the election, which may be true. 
But I could easily say the same thing about how Biden won because of all the daggers that anybody, whether it was Biden included or not, could throw at Donald Trump. But these current four years, including the one that just passed for Joe Biden, is what's going to determine are those daggers going to be good enough in 2024, good enough to make sure he gets elected again against Trump. Because given the, the approval ratings I just given, like I said, it's very easy to see for those votes to flip back over to the other side. And, and again, I, I found an article here from PBS, which is titled, How's He Doing? Americans Weigh In on Biden's Performance. And obviously, you know, they, they kind of mentioned maybe six, seven, eight people when it comes to how they voted in 16 versus how they voted in 20 and just their opinions on how Biden's doing. And obviously it's a mixed bag of, of everything. And the first person they mentioned is a Georgia history teacher who voted for Biden, um, says he would give him a C, a C grade, faulting the president for not pushing earlier to end the filibuster in Senate, but supportive of his Build Back Better plan. Um, somebody who said he was a Trump to Biden voter um, says, still says Trump should be thrown in jail, but he's far from your typical anti-Trumper because he voted for him in 2016. Uh, he's 65, as it says, but he, he damns President Trump over what happened on January 6th. Now, I will admit to you, that would kill anything. That would be probably be the biggest killer for Trump if he were to get reelected. And people are still going to remember that situation, you know, so well, that, at that point, you know, four years later or three years later or whatever, if he runs again, that's going to be what people are going to point to is that. But is that going to be enough to not to get him not reelected compared to whatever Biden does or does not do during his four years? Uh, but again, the article I mentioned from PBS, they mentioned a teacher who gives Biden a C grade. This person, uh, again, voted for Trump before as well. Uh, Biden voter who declares polarization. Um, Lynn Manning John, a school principal on Native American reservation in Nevada, Idaho border, is pleased with Biden's first year in office, but worries his presidency has further polarized her community. You know, um, Biden voter where, is wary of liberals. Um, so Trump voter who is not impressed with Biden. Democrat who prefers Mayor Pete, so somebody who didn't want Biden in the office in the first place. Um, so, I mean, I mean, what's, well, that's just how the header for that person is described. But at the same time, if, you know, again, we've already seen it in 2020. People who are typically Republican flip the vote for Biden because just because they were so against Trump. So, again, we can see the same thing for this election. People who might have preferred somebody who wasn't Biden and has now been validated by what they didn't see in, in these four years and not happy with what they saw, now they're going to say, you know what, for one year, I'm going to vote for whoever's on the other side. If it happens to be Donald Trump, um, some Biden voters say they want him to actually start tuning his own horn, you know, being less humble, you know. Um, so uh, Trump voter pleasantly surprised by some of Biden's initiatives, uh, says he may be convinced to vote for Biden if he were run again. Social worker who's rethinking the vote, she voted for Biden, um, but she, she considered him the better of the two bad options. But now the 40, but now she, you know, isn't so sure. So saying she could vote for Trump in 24 if he runs again. So, so again, obviously this is a small sample set of people compared to the, you know, hundreds of million people that vote. But it's fair to easily say that there are, again, several million people that think just like them. 
And so obviously the next three years, like I said, about Biden in the office is what's going to determine where these people go. Are they going to keep leaning the way they're kind of thinking right now? Or are they going to come back to, you know, what they're, you know, what they're, you know, previously thinking for the 2020 election or, or in some people's case of the 2016 election? We don't know. This may, well, obviously, we're, again, folks, we're not a political show, but this may be something that comes up, you know, over the course of the next three years before we get to the election of 2024. Yes, the Calpar Bills will still be around then. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's you know, again, that just goes to my initial thought that basically, you know, Trump doing this soft launch now for 2024 isn't as big of a joke and winning isn't as big of a not reality that some people might think, including you. But is what it is. I mean, like I said, it, like I've said before, I didn't vote for either one of them in the 2020 election. If it's these two guys running again, I'll tell you right now, I'm not voting for either one of them again. And there you go. Offline, we're going to have to talk about who you actually voted for. No, we don't, have, we don't have to because it doesn't matter. <laughs> because the fact of the matter is, it does not matter. And, that, and that's the interesting thing I'll keep saying to everybody. People keep, like, like this one lady mentioned in the article, people feel like they voted for the, the, better, the, the better of the two bad options. Well, guess what, people? You have more than two options. Well, we can't wait for the next, <laughs> the next state <laughs> to, to have an, yet another spectacle. I have, I have had it with that fucking red hat, and I have had it with that obnoxious ass font. <laughs> well, like, like maybe, maybe coming back, bro. Like that, that, that fucking wing dings at seventy two font. This well, is your fault, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> now you get it. Now you finally get it. Now you get why I'm not not backing Kanye for anything. There you go. Yeah. So, all right. But, there, but there's a little hint about somebody I did. Somebody else I didn't vote for. It wasn't Kanye either. So there you go. Yeah. Who was ba- basically? Who was basically just a, a a industry plant at that point? So question right. is, plant by who? <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. It. Exactly. Them. That's all you need to know. Them. Yeah, <laughs> obviously the liberal elites. <laughs> Hashtag Illuminati. <So>. Yeah, <laughs> Cluminati, maybe. Illuminati. <laughs> All right, that concludes our segment on the spectacle that is one Donald Trump. Uh, coming up next, we'll wrap up the show and I give our final thoughts. <laughs> That's your favorite song. That's my favorite Jay Z song. Yes. Okay. Always will be, son. Big it, pimpin', spinning it, cheese. It's a, it's a Jay-Z song, but Bum B and Pimp C are effectively featured. So This is true, but it's still a Jay-Z song. He has two verses on the song. It's on his CD, or back then CD. So it's a Jay-Z song, sir. Yeah. Hence, it's my favorite song of all time, and it always will be. Yeah, well, as long as you know the features, I'm good with it. All Big right. pimpin', spinning cheese. On BLADs.
Thank you for listening to the Cal Park Bros Podcast with your hosts, Terrence and Jason. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave us a rating and review. Five stars, as always, are appreciated. You can always send the show feedback or show topics at calparkbros at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at calparkbros.com. You can also reach us at the CPB voicemail at 405-877-2767. That is 405-877-BROS. Who knows? Your message could end up on a future episode of this here podcast. Jason, final thoughts for the people. Final thoughts are, I loved this episode talking about the three Jokers, Djokovic, the Joker, Joe Rogan, and then the political Joker, Trump. Um, good episode, man. Love doing it. Love doing new stuff that we don't always talk about. But definitely, politics is still not one of the tenets, but we don't, we're not afraid to get into it. We ain't never scared. Hashtag don't be scared. But yeah, it's a good show, folks. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching for all the stuff we do. We appreciate that. We see you. Keep it up. Uh, but make sure, if you listen to this, you're connecting with us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Also make sure that you're aware we're on lots of different platforms, not just anchor, not just CalPartBros.com, but also Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and basically wherever you listen to podcasts. But yeah, thank you so much. Like, like we said, hopefully once you listen to this, you know for sure that we are the podcast to hear and watch. So make sure you're living it, loving it, and doing that. But finally, you know what's up, people. If you listen to the show, you know what time it is. It's time for the hashtag, the catchphrase, and the line. When it comes to all things Calpart Bros, make sure you like us, love us, share us, and follow us. Because if you like us, why wouldn't you? And with that said, this is Calpart Bros signing off. Peace out, y'all. Like us, love us, share us, follow us. And if you like us, why wouldn't you?